Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for music teachers. You're listening to episode 79 of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and in this episode, we're looking at cultivating inquisitive minds. Well, hello there, beautiful teachers, and welcome back. We've had a couple of weeks off, and it is now the year 2020. Oh my gosh. The end of last year, in 2019, we had a series called The Essential Music Lesson Ingredient. So I talked about seven different essential music lesson ingredients, and then in the final episode, we baked our beautiful music teaching lasagna. I hope you enjoyed that series if you listened, and if you didn't, of course, you can go back in your favourite podcast player or on the Vibrant Music Teaching site uh, to catch the previous episodes. So I wanted to kick off this new year by looking at the idea of investigating everything. And this is loosely related to what we were talking about in that Essential Music Lesson Ingredient series, or it's related to my motivation for creating it in the first place. So why did I create it? Well, the reason I put that together at the end of last year was, number one, to stop overwhelm. That's one of the reasons I did it. It was because I could see that teachers felt a bit scattered, and I did too from time to time, that this is over here and this is over there, and which thing are we supposed to be doing and what are... Right? So I wanted to categorize things because through creating my lesson plans that I have on the Vibrant Music Teaching site and all the blogging and everything I do, I've gained a lot of clarity through that process. And what the different ingredients are, what's actually essential, and how they break down into categories. So I wanted to share that to help you to hopefully feel less overwhelmed by all of the stuff that we have to do and organize it for you inside your minds, as it were. But there's some other reasons I wanted to do that. And one of the reasons, one of the key motivations behind creating that series was about questioning everything. That's really what I do. I investigate things and ask whether they should be the way that they are. And I think this is really important when it comes to music lessons, because we just shouldn't be taking anything for granted, anything that should be included or shouldn't be included. Because what we're modelling that on when we do that is this traditional music lesson. And where does that traditional music lesson come from? Well, it comes from a world which is very, very far removed from where we're at now. It's 2020, right? It's pretty far removed, even from the 90s, let alone from, 
I don't know, the 50s at least, when these traditional formats were being ingrained in our culture and in the way we teach music. So it's worth questioning why we do it and repeating that process for yourself. Why am I doing it this way? Do I have a reason or is it just because? Is it just the way my teacher taught me? Is it just the way I think it should be done? Or do I have a real foundational reason for this? So the Essential Music Lesson Ingredient Series was about that, was about understanding why we're including the things we're including. So that we can tell ourselves why it is, so that we can plan things better based on that knowledge of the motivation behind why we're teaching that thing. And also so that if people ask us, oh, well, why aren't you using mnemonics or why do you include this or why do you not include such and such? We have an answer. We can talk to people about it in a way that is coherent (laughs) and makes sense. The other thing that's different these days is our knowledge. That's the other reason we have to question all of this stuff. We can't just assume that the way it was done is right just because we got through it. No, there's new information all the time. We have learned that mnemonics are not the best idea in the world. We have learned new things about our anatomy and about how great technique is built and all of this stuff, right? So we need to keep questioning these standard, go-to, traditional, whatever you want to call them, methods of doing things. One of my biggest strengths, I believe, as, well, a teacher in particular, as a person, I guess, is that I'm always asking why, and I'm always trying to answer that. And while I call it a strength, it might be an annoyance quite a lot for many people, I'm sure. Because I am. I'm always asking, well, why? 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 And then trying to come up with the answer. I only realized this about myself, I'd say I was about 15 or 16, and a friend of mine, he had asked some unanswerable question. I don't know. Like, just about some area that we couldn't possibly understand anything about. It was unanswerable, basically. But I still came up with an answer and came up with some hypotheses, I guess, of why it was. And he laughed, be good-natured, he wasn't making fun of me, but, and he wasn't annoyed in that case, but he asked me, do you ever just not answer a question? Do you ever just say, I don't know? And it sounds terrible because, of course, there are times when I have to say I don't know, and he didn't mean that I couldn't admit when I was wrong, but he's right. When these questions are posed, when people ask, you know, why is that particular brick in that particular place in a building? I might actually know since my dad is an architect, but if I don't, I would come up with some reason I thought it could be, rather than just saying, oh, I don't know, I'm moving on. I always want to know and I always want to investigate, and of course, these days you could Google it, but some things are ungoogleable. So, I think that's one of my strengths, is my ability to be this perpetual three-year-old who's going, why, why, why? And it can be annoying. And it's very common that a teacher in Vibrant Music Teaching, a member asks me a question and my answer is a bunch of other questions. And that's not because I'm dodging their question or trying to be irritating. It's because you have to investigate these things. You have to go beyond the surface question when you want to try and discover the real answer. So I'll give you a couple of examples of this. Let's say a teacher, let's say you, have a student who has trouble focusing might say, well, teachers, members would come to me and say, 
Nicola, how do I get this student to focus? How do you deal with students who just can't focus? And I would have a bunch of questions in return because there's so many reasons why she's not focusing. You can't just say, oh, it's just a scatty student or you can't, you can't make these assumptions. You have to get to the bottom of why she's not focusing. So, for example, is she not moving enough? Have you got her sitting still for too long and perhaps is she too young to do that or just she's not suited to it? So is it that you're sitting at the bench for the entire 30 minutes or 45 minutes and she just can't focus in that environment? Or maybe she's just finding this too hard. Maybe your pacing is too fast. And so her not focusing is actually a protest, if you will, from her brain to say this is too much. It's too difficult. Things have to be just the right level of difficult for us to be able to concentrate on them. That goes for me, that goes for you, that goes for everyone. That's why we don't read dense law texts, right? At least I can't. (laughs) And it's not because I couldn't actually do it, but it's just too hard, isn't it? So, is it too hard? Or does this student who has trouble focusing... Is she maybe having difficulty tracking the lesson time? Does she not know where she is in time and space? I talk about this with preschoolers, but it applies to all ages. Students have to know and understand where they are in the structure of things and the order in order to be able to relax into it. So that's one question that would come with a bunch of questions in response and then probably some more questions and then probably some more questions before I came up with an answer. Here's another example. Let's say a student teacher comes to me with a student who is always backtracking. And by backtracking, I mean when students are playing through and they're kind of stuttering over bits is another way to say it, or they're just going back and forth over a bit until they get it right and then they keep going. So it's pretty common. Uh, Plenty of students do this, but they all do it for different reasons. There are lots of different underlying causes for backtracking. So is she perhaps just playing too fast? That's quite common. She's playing too fast, she's not able to play that fast, and so she goes back and forth over bits, and she continuously does that, and so it never gets any better, because she's practicing in that way. And as I tell my students, you're just teaching your hands to play it wrong three times, and then play it once, and then keep going. Your hands do not know which is the correct time. That's not how it works. Is she turning off her ears, perhaps? That could be another reason. If you've ever had a student like this, you'll know exactly what I mean. But in case you haven't encountered one, some students actually are not listening to their own playing, like at all. And I find a lot of them end up with these backtracking sections because they're just barely listening or hardly or just not at all listening. And so they don't even notice that they've done it. That's the case with some of them. Or maybe she doesn't like the music. Maybe she's backtracking and fumbling over bits because she just doesn't like the piece. It's not motivating to her, and she doesn't like the sound of it even when it is correct, so she's not practicing it. Or maybe she's having trouble with tracking. Is that what it is? So is she having trouble actually following the music across the page? Many students do, and they don't have to be students with dyslexia or some other challenge. Plenty of students, just in the context of playing an instrument, they have trouble continuously tracking across the page. or and we suggested this in the last one, is it just too hard? And this time we're talking about it in an individual piece. Is it just too difficult? Sometimes we just push things too far and it's, you know, it's hard to get levels right. 
even the best of us make mistakes from time to time, we think that students are going to be able to do this piece. And actually, it was just a step too far. And sometimes we just need to throw up our hands and admit to our student, hey, listen, I made a mistake here. This isn't right. It's not quite the right level for you. I think we should put it aside and we'll come back to it. I know you really like the piece, but let's leave it for a moment because I think it's getting frustrating. So those are just two examples. But this is kind of how my mind works with everything. Why, 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 why? Why is it like that? Why is it like that? And if you keep asking these questions, that's when you come to the interesting answers. That's when you come to the things where you can solve it with a a specific game designed to teach that specific concept or improve on that skill or a technical study or whatever it is, whatever the solution is. You have to know what the real problem is first. So as your late New Year's resolution, and we all know that New Year's resolutions actually usually fall by the wayside by this time of year anyway, as I'm releasing this. So if you've already forgotten about your previous ones or they're not going great or you didn't set any, I want to encourage you to set this one. Become more investigative. Look into things more. Investigate everything. Inquire as to why things are the way they are. And encourage your students to do the same. Try to cultivate this with them. So the next time your student says, well, why did the composer write it that way? Why did he put that note there? I don't like it. You can say, well, why do you think? And if they can't quite come up with something, suggest a few answers and have a discussion. Things are not set in stone. And you learn so much through the process of investigating why things are the way they are. I hope you'll give it a go. Before I let you go, I wanted to mention that I am going to be in Melbourne next week as this goes live. So we're going to be in Melbourne. I'm going to be speaking at an event called Piano Pivot Live. So that's in Melbourne on the 23rd and 24th of January. It's run by my good friend Tim Topham. I'm really excited to get over there, visit Australia. My first time in Australia, super excited to see it and speak at this event. It's going to be incredible. I'm giving two separate presentations about inclusivity and also teaching through games and fun and getting the audience involved in that one, of course, to have some fun and wake everybody up. So that's going to be next week, 23rd and 24th of January. I hope to see many of you there or indeed in Perth, because I'm going to be heading over there after that. And before that even happens, I have a webinar before I leave. So if you want to come along and learn about when I use rote teaching versus reading, how the two fit together, and why you should be including rote teaching if you're not already, then you can go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash rote. That's in just a couple of days as this goes live. So if you miss, if you don't listen to the podcast immediately as it goes out, and you miss the chance to watch this webinar, Members can, of course, access it in the video library. So if you're not a member, just sign up at vmt.ninja and you'll get access to that as well as tons of other great resources. I'll see you, some of you on the webinar and some of you in Australia next week. Bye for now. If you want to take this more inquisitive approach to music teaching, then you would love being a VMT member. Sign up at vmt.ninja and join us today.
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.